Land oh, back, y'all. What's up, guys? Good morning, Hammers. How are we doing today? We are so excited to uh, be hosting our Patrice Lumumba uh, book trap. I am Chief Amina. I am Conrad Kathunson, um, representing Ashanti, the Ashanti kingdom, uh, pronouns he, him. This is a very dope book trap today. We're taking it to the motherland. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to be doing Patrice Lumumba, all right? This is the first book trap that we're doing that's actually on the continent, okay? Um, you know, for Africans, like, on the continent. And we're so excited. Um, Y'all already know what it is. Before we, you know, even, like, hop up in here, we want to get y'all, like, started getting those Hammer City uh, donations coming in, y'all. But look, let me ask you this. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about this, you know, book. Like, because when you read it um, or, like, when you see it, you'll see that there isn't, like, a clear author, right? Um, and even though there isn't a clear author, I bet y'all cannot guess which revolutionary published, like, Panaf books, okay? I bet y'all don't know what revolutionary published this. Um, if you get it wrong, you got to donate $5 to Hammer City. Go ahead. Oh, put man. in the comments. Better, better, better yet, if you could get this right, I got $10 on Hammer City. Okay, okay. So if you want this ten dollars to have a seat, you gotta get it right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So, all right. I see CIC in the building. Thank y'all for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Let's go ahead and get those uh, donations coming in for Hammer City. You know, we are building a city for our people, for colonized people, y'all. Okay. Yes. No Rona. No cops. No rent. Right. Which revolutionary published pan Ep books? Which African revolutionary? This test your knowledge. All right. You see, <laughs> you see any comments coming in? I see the comments coming in. I, I'm, get, I'm waiting to get a few answers in. I see a few answers, a few good answers. Okay. Okay. All right, shout out to Ben Hameen for $10 of Hammond City. I appreciate you, comrade. Anybody can match Ben Hameen? Anybody? Let's see. Kathunson, let me tell you, you about to match because uh, Chief Shagun got it. It's uh, I know. Nkrumah. I know. <laughs> I know. It was Nkrumah. I was waiting for other answers, but I saw it. I was like, <laughs> first try. All right, Taliba Pledge, five. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bree. We got $5. Thank you, Comrade Taliba. Perfect. Chief Shagun got 10 Appreciate you, Comrade. Thank you for all the shares, too. Perfect. All right, get us sold. Got five on it. Got five on it. Land back. Thank you. So, so look, uh, let me tell y'all. You had a preface, right? For for the uh, really the book starts off with the hitting the ground running with an awesome preface, a letter straight from Lumumba to his wife. So absolutely. 
So Lumumba says in this letter uh, to his wife, right before they murdered him, y'all, you know, he says, we are not alone. Africa, Asia, and the free liberated people from all corners of the world will always be, be found at the side of the millions of Congolese who will not abandon the struggle until the day when there is no longer any colonialists and their mercenaries in our country. As to my children who I leave and whom I may never see again, I should like them to be told that it is for them, as it is for every Congolese, to accomplish the sacred task of reconstructing our independence and our sovereignty. For without dignity, there is no liberty. Without justice, there is no dignity. And without independence, there is no free man. Neither brutality, nor cruelty, nor torture will ever bring me to ask for mercy. For I prefer to die with my head unbowed, my faith unshakable, and with profound trust in the destiny of my country, rather than live under subjection and disregarding sacred principles. History will one day have its say, but it will not be the history that is taught in Brussels, Paris, Washington, or in the United Nations but the history which will be taught in the countries freed from imperialism and its puppets. Africa will write her own history and to the north and south of the Sahara, it will be a glorious and dignified history. Do not weep for me, my dear wife. I know that my country, which is suffering so much, will know how to defend its independence and its liberty. Long live the Congo, long live Africa. Y'all, all of this land back all the way, all right? Nkrumah knew that they were coming at his neck. Um, sorry, mm-hmm. Nkrumah. Uh, Lumumba knew that they were coming at his neck. I know. So, <laughs> um, and, you know, he was prepared, right? He was prepared to die, like, with all faith in the Congolese people to become free. And that's what we need to do, y'all. That's why we get these donations for Hammer City, all right? We know, we know that colonialism go come at our necks for trying to get Hammer City, okay? They're coming at our necks, y'all. But that's all right, because guess what? We going for freedom, full and complete freedom, y'all. Awesome. Also, uh, Comrade Bella, the answer was Nkrumah, uh, and Chief Sagoon get it right. And appreciate everyone for the shares and uh, donating to Hammer City. Um, building this dual power. And think about the prefaces. You could tell Lumumba also really united with principle UED number one. It's not just about getting the land back, but he mentions that the history being taught won't be from Belgium and things like that. Getting the land back also includes having control over the education of the land too. Any education that's not controlled by masses is inherently is used to oppress, point blank period. Um, so are we going to the next segment? Uh, yeah, definitely. Thank y'all. Shout out for those donations. Let's keep them coming. Um, so, all right, let's see, we go get started on that. Uh, first read that back y'all. Now, before we even hop in, you know, one thing that we want to make sure that we acknowledge, you know, we talk about like in our political education, being clear of our political line, Right. And so, like, as we were reading, there were a few things, um, you know, that definitely need to be, like, called out that sort of, like, don't sit with our political line. Uh, First, 
uh, you know, this biography, you know, it's a great biography, but it's filled with like petty bourgeoisie language, right? You know, and it centers this like Marxist sort of view, okay? And then the next thing, um, the understanding that, you know, it sits is like, basically with capitalism at the center of all problems for colonized people. Now in Black Hammer, we know that the root of our problem is not capitalism, right? The root of our problem is colonialism and capitalism is a symptom of that, right? Um, and so we wanna make sure that we uphold, you know, our principles of unity and calling that out. Unity number three, right? Uh, the root of our problem is capitalism in those neo-colonial sellouts that they pull out with them. All right, Lemback, let's go ahead and get into this reading. Uh, it says, Lumumba in the early phase was like any other Congolese leader, infected with the disease of slave mentality and looked to the Belgians for leadership and guidance. But at a certain stage of development, coinciding with the increased growth of political consciousness of his people, he broke through. He cut the umbilical cord that bound him ideologically with his masters and oppressors. And as he became more and more enmeshed with the people, his confidence in their strength grew, as did his conviction that they and they alone would constitute the force that would liberate the Congo. He arrived at the conclusion from hard and bitter experience that only armed struggle of the people would dislodge the Belgians in Katanga he already he had already reached this conclusion even before his election as prime minister. This brought him into direct collision with imperialists and their puppets. They marked him down and worked tirelessly and without fatigue, y'all, you know, that, that bourgeoisie language to say tirelessly <laughs> uh, to bring about his destruction. Only after they had engineered a murder so foul, so brutal as to result, uh, um, as to revolt the conscience of mankind, did they allow themselves to rest? They wouldn't even rest until the man was dead, right? Because he went against, um, you know, that imperialism. Uh, now, one of the reasons why I chose this, like, read that back is because I really wanted to highlight how like even the revolutionaries that we study now have sort of had to, um, you know, meet the political line, right? Um, we've all had to like make our way to the point of being for the people, right? Even Lumumba, you know, who we're studying right now for his uh, techniques, right? Um, we know that like the Belgians intentionally created these class divisions because they wanted full influence. And Lumumba, like many of us, fell for it, right? Um, you know, we fell for these colonial tricks. Um, one thing that we're gonna see come up, like, uh, you know, they use this term, uh, uh, evolu, you know, it sounds like neocolonial, right? Evolu, uh, it's a French word and it's basically for like Africans, you know, and Asians who have given in to like European values, you know? And so like, let this be a reminder of our second principle, y'all, that like, you know, we have these neocolonial sellouts, right? Like here's our third, like we have those neocolonial sellouts, but at the same time, like we are all equal, right? And we be like, we ensure that, you know, we are pushing for like, you know, the freedom of colonized people. 
So like, even when those sellouts come, you know, once they start working for the people, <laughs> you can sit with us, you know, they say on Mean Girls, you can't sit here, um, you know, so they can sit with us then. Awesome, awesome. That's 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 awesome feedback. I just like to give a shout out to uh Carmen Taliba for sharing to 35 groups. That's awesome. Um, keep sharing the stream. Uh, but I unite with everything that you said. And the thing is, Lumumba wasn't a guy who was really super into theory. He wasn't uh in fact, this book's purpose is to relate a lot of Lumumba's beliefs and tying it back to Marxism and Marx. But Lumumba was just a regular guy. Who just wanted more for his people, simply that. And you know, to that it just threatened the state so much and, and the legal colonial puppets. So that's why um, you know, the book has this language where it's like, all right, the bourgeois, the poor people, and then there's like the social uh socialist revolutionaries and things like that. When you know the social revolutionaries and the people should be one and the same. So that's kind of the contradiction of this book, where it's using that language to somehow separate the socialist revolutionaries and the uh, proletariat when it's literally should be the same thing, and there's uh, should be no difference. Even though um, Lumumba essentially committed class suicide, which you should all encourage your petty bourgeois friends to you know build unity with the proletariat, um, because outside of that you just uh, you know sell out outside of that. So awesome passage. Well done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thank you. I unite with that. Let's see, where are we at with those, uh, with our comments and our donations? Y'all keep those donations coming in. And next, we're going to be asking y'all for our audience, read that back. So be ready to share your read that backs. Okay, Chief I. Right. Oh, 45. Awesome. I think it's also important to recognize that you don't need some fancy degree to know what's going on. You know, even though Lumumba was very educated, you know, a lot of his political line and, and things like that didn't come from, you know, Marx or anything like that. It just came from literally just talking to his people. You know, that's why uh, I think the the Phantom Corps about like, it's not, you know, tweeting and like, I'm, I'm paraphrasing like a lot, but it's not paraphrase. I mean, it's not like sharing tweets and like things like that. It's literally going outside and doing communist stuff. <laughs> literally go outside <laughs> doing communist. Go go outside doing communist stuff with your homies. That's what it's all about. You're talking, you're talking to the uh, colonized masses. And we're a little ahead of schedule, but um, I don't have anything else to say. If you yeah. Want to go so Taliba has a great comment right here. Are we able to hold it there? Let's see. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. So she's hopping into the audience. Read that back. Um, I read that back highlights the importance of political education. A uh, few of the leaders really understood the historic process involved on the crucial question of what society would emerge after independence. Yes. I love that. And Kunduzin, that was like one of the things that you were uh, really calling out, right? How they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't even like focus on uh, like what the society was going to look like after their first, like their straight view was like independence and freedom. Right. And that's why Black Hammer has that political line. Like we're going to build a hammer city. We're going to make sure we build this dual power. And it's like, you could get into the nuance of why they did that. Cause they want to build unity for the independent front. But if 
you know, the independence, if you, you're just pushing for boneless independence just to make sure you don't um, upset other people, then is it even, you know, worth it? Um, but Lumumba was probably one of the few people who actually was like, yeah, I want independence, but I really want independence. I don't want boneless independence. I don't want Fox independence. You know, I don't want beyond me independence. Like I want independence. So that's an awesome thing about Lumumba. That's an awesome quote, Comrade Taliba. Yes. And there was a comment, sorry, it went away so quick. Um, that said, you know, like Hammer City, like we have a vision for the revolution, right? And that's Hammer City. Uh, there we go. Shout out, shout out. Um, yeah. And so like Hammer City is part of that vision for us. Uh, let's see. It looks like we are at $50 for our uh, Hammer City donations. Speaking of that vision. So, you know, keep those donations coming in, y'all. You know, get these shared. Uh, you know, make sure that, you know, your friends, your family, you know, your colonizer friends, you know, them colonizers you shacking up with, uh, <laughs> putting in those donations, sending them reparations, okay? Let's see, do we have some more uh, for audience read that back? Right. Any any quotes from you? It's a really awesome book. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, you know, definitely one thing, like one contradiction that we kept seeing, you know, coming up like in this set of readings was definitely the separation, you know, between like the classes. Right. And like, you know, really like honing in on that, you know, principle of unity number three, where we have, you know, these like, you know, colonial sellouts, you know, um, and like, you know, they they call it, you know, because Belgium, you know, is French, right? You know, they use the word, you know, evolue. And, you know, that basically means evolved, right? So, you know, Africans, you know, or like indigenous or Asian people who are evolved. Um, and, you know, we know, what we do know is that like those who are so-called evolved um, are not gonna be our saviors, right? Um, they can find that political line for sure. And that's one thing that Patrice Lumumba did, right? Patrice Lumumba found that line, you know, once he realized that our freedom was not going to come from uh, the colonial state itself. Like Belgium was not going to give the Congo its freedom. And we actually, you know, saw that as part of the reading. Um, if you guys were able, you know, to catch that, where there was, you know, the question Belgium asked, like, okay, what should we do, right? Should we remove ourselves, um, you know, or like, should we, you know, completely step back or, you know, should we remain there, right? And they had to ask themselves that question because they were trying to figure out if we remove ourselves, how can we maintain some kind of stronghold in the Congo? And, you know, they attempted to do that. And I mean, we we end up seeing and like we're going to see more, you know, toward the end of this book trap of how that was not the ending result. <laughs> you know, they can decide, you know, OK, well, we want to main, maintain like a footlock uh, in the Congo. But what do the people want? Right. And ultimately, that's what's going to happen. You were about to say something, comrade. Yeah. And even. um. <clears throat> Even some material conditions that affect, you know, the capitalist class influence their decisions too. So, 
And we're going to see a little bit later. There was a key event that happened that, um, I guess, threatened the uh, control that, uh, um, you know, the bourgeoisie colonizers in Europe had control over their own countries that led them to explicitly, there's like, you could, you could follow the money, you could follow the legislation that explicitly caused them to build this bourgeois class that was so effective in um, uh, ridding of Patrice Lumumba. And also reading this, um, you know, you know, there's a, there's a, I think there's a quote I heard any, um, I guess, achievement. I think Kwame Ture was saying that like any achievement that, you know, in, any individual achievement the African should be given up to the ancestors because is these people sacrifice and us learning from the mistakes, you know, that we're able to build up to this point. You know, in fact, we're, we're reading his life right now and using it to, um, uh, you know, strengthen our cadre, strengthen our political line. Uh, so. It's awesome, awesome stuff. Kind of a, kind of a yeah. head of skin. <laughs> Chief I says, uh, yes, it's about having a complete say about what happens on our land. Dictatorship over our lands, lives, and resources. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, because, I mean, the nurturers of the land, right? There's this, uh, this concept of, you know, when we look at like pre-colonial Africa, of um, you know, first comers to the land, right? And really, this concept of first comers has truly, you know, had to arise because of colonialism. Um, because we know that, you know, the claim that our ancestors placed on the land, and this is actually something that uh, I think uh, Kuthusin is going to bring up. Um, you know, we know that, like, when our ancestors. Uh, you know, place claim like, you know, to land or, you know, was like building on land, even if the home was on the land, that home was part of the community, right? Uh, it was community building. It was like bringing in the community, feeding the community, housing the community. Right. Oh, and uh, Chief, uh, we're, uh, we're going to the next segment, but I will uh, save Chief Segun's uh, quote because that's really important um, and probably use it for the next audience read that back so also while we're talking you guys could just post your readings uh audience read that backs and um uh, uh we'll get to it in the uh, next segment but right now there's a read that back yeah so hold on let me see if i could do this one. okay so while the congolese were all united on the question of private ownership of land just how it should be acquired brought about differences for the different classes had different approaches. Concretely, this boiled down to the question whether it should be purchased from the state or not. Lumumba had graduated to become a Ebule, but he was one of the few who kept his fingers on the pulse of the people. And I love that so, so much, the pulse of the people as a whole. Um, he went to the workers and peasants to find out uh, what they felt and thought about of the matter. He wrote, I have carried out a wide-ranging inquiry amongst the different strata of the population on the purchase of land. After questioning native chiefs, various members of the working class and intelligentsia, I have roughly summarized their views as follows. The Congo is our common patrimony. The Europeans 
came to civilize us and not to usurp the natural rights have also belonged to, uh, wait, excuse me, and the natural and inalienable rights bequeathed to us by our ancestors. These rights have always belonged to us collectively. If it is the case of replacing the system of communally held property by the system of individual ownership, it is obviously fair to share proportionally the patrimony which belonged to us collectively in such a way that each member of the community receives his share. This share belongs to the right to which each inhabitant should be registered in the name of each family. There can be no question of sale. Our forebears never bought land to cultivate their fields and build their houses. We are poor and we have not necessarily not have this necessary money to buy this land. The whites have taken hold of our rights, our lands, and now wish to sell them to us for money, as if we are strangers in this country. <laughs> they have uh, become owners of our land, and we, the natives, have become mere immigrants because our land is now to be sold to us. There are no objection if the state sells the land to native traders because they have the means to buy it and they will get their money back in due course. But to sell the land to poor natives is unjust. And this is definitely just, it, United States uh, Principle Unity, number one, because we, uh, you know, the colonized masses of Congo and, and the world should have dictatorship over the lands, lands of labor. But it also points out just how egregious this is, you know. Um, well, there's two points I made. Not only how egregious it is, as in you come, you, you know, force these people off their land. Um, you make sure that, you know, their, you know, self-preservation is mangled. And then when it's time for you to leave, you know, because after World War II, after, you know, the, uh, you know, white proletariat, you know, whipping class in, you know, uh, Europe was wilding. And it was just too much money for them to like keep, you know, oppressing, you know, Congo. They left and then they wanted to make deals to have them buy their land back. And it's like, how can you do all that? Make sure no one could even have some sort of self-preservation. And then it's like, here, um, you could pay us for it back after we took it by force and, and, and stuff like that. And also another point is this is Patrice Lumumba knows his history as in everything used to be community owned. Which brings up to the point, uh, Kwame Ture said this, CIC said this, was, you know, Marx did not invent communism. It's It's been around. You know, we've been, we've been kicking, kicking cool stuff. Like, um, you know, he simply recruited. So it's a really good piece here. Uh, powerful exercise. You need number one. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think it's so important that um, that land question was brought up, right? Like Lumumba really understood the importance of the land um, and knowing that the people, you know, understood like why that land belongs to them. There is like one part that really stood out to me, right? It's like, there can be no question of sale. Our forebears never bought land to cultivate their fields and build their houses. Like that wasn't, you know, that wasn't a thing. Um, 
prior to, you know, colonialism, prior to like, you know, uh, Belgians trying to come in and, you know, stealing the land from the people who were there first. And I completely agree with you, you know, comrade, the audacity, right? The caudacity to, uh, you know, go into someone else's like, you know, land space um, and then tell them to buy it back from you. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's colonialism within itself. And um, also, uh, you know, I think uh, one thing uh, that's interesting is, uh, so there's a song called um, Another Story by Burna Boy. Of course, I won't play it here because like copyright and stuff like that. But at the beginning of the song, there's like an excerpt of how um, some British company, right? Some British monopolist, capitalist co uh, uh, um, company, right? Um bought nigeria right so literally like just imagine you a company buying a bunch of africans right like that's neocolonialism like still modern day slavery and you know you know having dictation over you know lands lands labor resources and one thing that's important in that whole quote is the british company right still exists today right a lot of the companies that were set up in these colonial countries, right, to um, monopolize their resources and, you know, people and land still exist. And they just kind of rebranded themselves. And, you know, they, they might put a little, you know, a few Africans as a CEO every once in a while. But either way, you know, the point of these things is to siphon the resources that are meant for the people in these countries. So it was kind of like, you know, that's how that's how um, this political line is just really important because it lets you um, do things like follow the money and see how you know they try to rebrand themselves and we're not going to let them because we see we see them. You know, Unilever is still in Nigeria operating. You know, Total Petroleum is still in Ghana operating. These companies are still here. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, we have some great comments that were rolling through and I really want to, uh, you know, call those out. So like Chief Ali said, <laughs> I love this. Marx was a colonizer, not a communist. He took that from Africa and from indigenous nations. Absolutely. Do not be confused. Marx was a colonizer. Um, and, uh, oh man, Kathusen, I'm not even, uh, I don't, did you, did you touch on uh, yet? Yeah, I hope I'm not hopping ahead of myself, um, you know, where you mentioned, uh, you know, when we were like chatting about, you know, the separation of, you know, like the white whipping class and, uh, and, you know, colonized people, right? Like the two are not the same. And like, that's one contradiction that, you know, this book really kept trying to hit on. They were really trying to uh, equate, you know, colonized people with the white whipping class and the struggle is not the same, right? We see that through our political education with Kwame Ture, you know, we see that through our own lives. Um, you know, the struggle that we have for freedom is not the struggle that the white whipping class has to, you know, try to become uh, equal, you know, to try to become part of the bourgeoisie, right? Uh, there was a comment from, uh, from Lay, from Chief Lay, are we able to bring that one back? 
Yeah, so Chief Lay says, it is so important to give the masses the ability to become human again. We will take the power eventually. Um, right, exactly. Like the power belongs to us, right? Um, I mean, that is, you know, that centers us. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, take a look that, you know, first principle of unity, right? Um, and then even that fourth principle of unity, you know, it is the colonized proletariat that the power belongs to. Right. I'm going to touch on one thing before we go into the, uh, uh, you know, readbacks is, um, so when, you know, after feudalism and when, you know, peasants were forced off their land and forced into urbanization, when European peasants were kicked off their displaced from their lands and went into these cities for work, they always found work. While African peasants who were forced off their land went into the cities and did not find work and could barely survive. That's the difference between the white working class and the African working class. And this goes into uh, Chief Sagoon's uh, um, segment, I mean, uh, comment. So we're going to uh, the audience read that back and also um, get into uh, uh, post your favorite quotes. But yeah, exactly. Thanks. Um, after World War II, this disposition of the peasantry was accelerated and white settlers came to the Congo in hundreds. They were given farms up to 500 hectares. The demands of the companies and white settlers for more land grew in intensity and were insatiable, not just the white ruling class, but the whipping class as well. Like I said, the white whipping class is propped up by the oppression of indigenous people and Africans. So that's that's a that's why the true proletariat is the colonized proletariat in, in that sense. Yeah, land back. Y'all, I really want to like do a quick reminder, you know, for y'all to like share this. If you haven't shared, you know, if you hopped up in here late, you know, go ahead, share this, uh, you know, tag your family, you know, let's do some agitation, right? And then let's get these donations coming in for Hammer City. Um, you know, let's let's get to, to our political line. Let's get to our freedom. All right. Yes. And let me, just in case... Uh, you know, you can donate GoFundMe.com slash BuildHammerCity uh, and then Cash App, uh, Venmo, um, you know, BuildHammerCity. Right. And before I read the uh, next quote, um, just bouncing off of Chief Sagoon's um, uh, 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 quote is also that that's why it's very important to build this global unit, this pan-Africanism, because we understand that, you know, America, Europeans are being propped up by Africa and the global South. So if we take that away from them, um, you know, what else do they have? You know, the, the, you have to think of a holistic approach of weakening the empire. And because they are being propped up by these neo-colonial publics uh, in the global South and um, Africa, it's imperative that we take that away from, we take that back. Um, so Read that back by uh, uh, Chief Lay. Um, Europeans don't fight for our liberation. They fight wars to consolidate colonialism. That's very important. The Western European powers who in 
1884 at the Berlin Conference has cynically agreed amongst themselves to carve up the entire continent of Africa had emerged from the Second Imperialist War of 1939 to 1945, weak and exhausted. Yeah. Um, as early as the beginning of this century, far-sighted thinkers characterized this period as an epoch of colonial uprising, proletarian revolution powers who in 1884 at the Berlin Conference has cynically agreed amongst themselves to carve up the entire continent of Africa um, had emerged from the Second Imperialist War, um, weak and exhausted as the beginning of the earlier century. Like we said, like, um, you know, Africa was a business deal to them. Uh, some of these companies are still in Africa, exploiting Africa under rebranding and, um, you know, they have uh, neocolonial puppets running them. Um, and I think uh, another thing is, uh, I, I just completely lost it. Like, a lot of the wars you see always have some company attached to it. Like Biafra, right? Biafra, the Civil War in Nigeria. British Petroleum's, British Petroleum BP, you know, the responsible for the oil spill and the destruction of the environment, they were the architects of the Nigerian Civil War. And, um, you know, and for them, it was they just supported whoever would win. Between um, um, who's who is it? It was a uh, the Nigerian government and um, I think. Wait, what was the other one? What was the other insurgent? Well, the other the other ones are usually the uh, I'm pretty sure the Igbo people in the south. Um, they were just like whoever wins that, we're gonna support them. But it was it was mostly a, a struggle over oil and uh, people and, and uh, people who threatened that. Um, so what time is it? Yeah, and I definitely, um, I want to, you know, quickly, like, expound on that separation, right, the creation of those separations. You know, that's why when we're calling out our nations, um, you know, that's why, you know, when we say, like, you know, representing, you know, the colonized nation of Africa, right, um, because we know that those separations, you know, were really, like, pushed forward by colonialism, you know, there's no reason why, you know, there should have been uh, the Biafran War, right? Uh, you know, there's no reason why, uh, you know, Sudanese, like, you know, people should be fighting each other across border. Uh, there's no reason why there should be the separation of, uh, you know, the Koreas or, you know, uh, even, you know, Vietnam, right? All of those things were created by colonialism and colonialism's thirst for our land, labor, and resources. Yeah, awesome. Let's see, Chief Shagun said, oh, uh, you wanna read that one? Yeah, can y'all talk about how the African bourgeoisie is not the real bourgeoisie and doesn't actually own the means of production? I think there was a line that said the only way the class can have impact and change society is to commit class suicide and throw their lot in with the uh, their lot in with the workers and peasants. That's exactly right. In fact, even the bourgeoisie was allowed to have any type of capital. In fact, before independence was even a thing, like it was strategic. It's kind of like they think it's real freedom, but they were they were granted that opportunity, so they're not the real bourgeoisie. Um, there was a uh, 
quote where they, um, you know, because Belgium owned all the means of production and, and uh, monopolized the country, um, the only other alternative to private ownership that the Congolese people had was through cattle and livestock. And even they led campaigns to even take that away from them. So it was, at some point, it was complete control of nobody can eat. And when they decided to withdraw from, um, you know, Africa because it was too uh, expensive, they granted a few bourgeoisie people who saw as freedom, um, you know, compared to where they came from. And they used that to disunite with the working class proletariat and um, the sellouts in that case. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I really, so I want to carry that um, into our next, like read that back, right? Because I feel like it's gonna, uh, it's going to fit, you know, right into that. And while we do this read that back, y'all, um, you know, we have our goal of like getting 100 uh, donations for uh, $100 in donations for Hammer City. We are only halfway there. Uh, so we still need 50 more dollars, um, you know, to meet our goal. So please, you know, go ahead and, uh, you know, get those donations in, you know, get some reparations coming in. And we are going to do the third read that back. And I know by the end of this, we are going to meet our goal. Okay, so uh, the next read that back says, the urbanization uh, figures deal with only those who were legally allowed to be present in the cities. It does not mention the thousands of unemployed in the cities, particularly in cities like Leopoldville. But in January 1959, Leopoldville had at least a million people in the opinion of many observers. Many of them were young and had migrated to search for work and for better opportunities. In the towns, they came into contact with political ideas. They took to Lumumba and those like him because they expressed their own desires. I want y'all to listen to this, okay? Internalize this, grab this, and tell your mama this, okay? It was the workers and the unemployed who rose in revolt against the Belgian rulers on the 4th and 5th of February, 1959. Seven days after Lumumba's mammoth rally, if there was one single incident that shook the nerves of the Belgian rulers and made them panic, it was just this. They were never the same again. They began to give in one after another to the demands of the Congolese people. Before the outbreak, observers noticed that there was a hostile mood on part of the Congolese toward the Belgians. The latter were being jeered at and insulted as they passed in their cars. At the same time, the people organized spontaneous little meetings and began marching down the main streets and the avenues. Listen, when we talk about, you know, just like uh, Chief Shagun said, right, there is no real, like, you know, uh, African bourgeoisie, right? This reeks all over of our fourth principle of unity, y'all. You know, it is the colonized proletariat that is the only true proletariat, right? Um, it is through the power of these Congolese people taken to the streets, these Congolese people jeering at the Belgians, you know, shaking them up, right? You know, I love it says, you know, they were shook. Um, it was because of this that, you know, this revolution was able to pull through. 
Um, and I really, you know, that like I, I'm going to reread that sentence for y'all. OK, because it was the workers and the unemployed who rose in revolt against the Belgian rulers. OK, because I really want us to internalize that. Because who else? Who else is going to do it? Exactly. Who else is going to do it? And I really want this to be a reminder. You know, we talk about, um, you know, as we talk about like part of our, you know, um, like part of the the problem within like neocolonial sellers, right? Like they're not being this real, you know, like class of African uh, bourgeoisie. You know, we have to remind ourselves here that it is not, you know, it's not the Barack Obamas who's going to save us, right? Um, and you know, you know, African people love some Barack Obama, okay? You know, it's not, you know, the the uh, whipping, you know, whipping master Bernie Sanders who's going to save us. Um, you know, it is not uh, the Kamalas, you know, it's not the Bidens who's going to save us. You know, it's not like all of these, you know, so-called bourgeoisie who are going to save us, right? It is, as our principle uh, of unity says, it is the colonized proletariat, all right, that is going to like, you know, return the land, that is going to, you know, take back the power, that's going to create the fall of this shaken, uh, you know, colonial state. And, you know, just like they did in the Congo, you know, the Belgians were, you know, they were shook, right? They were in their feelings. Um, I love the part here where it says, uh, you know, it says, okay, it made them panic. They were never the same again. Um, and that they were like, you know, they were being like jeered at, you know, um, as they passed by in their cars. And if you have ever seen, uh, you know, <laughs> an African give you the side eye, okay? You know, colonized people really can throw some looks, right? So, <laughs> I can only imagine what that uh, that Jiren looked like. Uh, Chief Shagun said, okay, we will save us. Our mass unity as colonized people will overturn this beast. Absolutely. What's that? Bars. Straight facts. But it's like, also, if you think about just talking about the pages, I was just kind of laughing about just how much, like, just, like, how little it takes for them to disunite with the working class just like crumbs like you know and, and engage in reactionary politics it's like oh we got 200 extra dollars on uh um you know our student you know paying for college like that's enough for them to you know be on uh, obama's nuts for the rest of you know and terrorize people <laughs> it's just like i just think think about it all the time but it's like and i'm pretty sure like um you know lumumba had that problem you know just people who, you know, especially since he came from the evolute class, it's just like, just the magnitude of him being like, you know what, I kind of, you know, I kind of want poor people to have food on their tables. And just everyone looking at him like, man, you wildin', bro, what? Like, they found that as like a, like this betrayal. So it's just kind of like, they're gross, man. They're super gross. I don't like them. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. Let's get some uh, some more comments coming in. I feel like I missed a few as we were rolling through. It's nine, 
Yeah, class suicide is a real thing, right? And uh, I feel like that one of the, the keys, uh, you know, to like Lumumba's revolutionary self was understanding that he had to create, you know, class suicide. And sometimes that get us murdered, y'all. I mean. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's about 10.50. So I guess we have final like, time to read comments and, uh, you know, final read that backs. Uh, Comrade Ben Hameen, thank you for the, wait. Well, ben, uh, Comrade Ben Hameen is asking who's going to pledge 5 or $10? Who's going to do it? You know what, Karak uh, Benjamin, I will match you on five. I'll match you on the five right now. So that's like $15 for me. All right, $15 total. Awesome. Anybody else? Yeah, let's let's have them come in, y'all. Um, we need, let's see, we need what, 45, uh, 45 more to reach our goal? Right, Comrade Benjamin, they were shook that day. They're like, I said, don't, 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 don't poke the, the immediate ancestor of everybody was a soldier, priest, the Catholic church dominated the social and cultural life of the Congolese, just as a peasant could not escape the administrator and recruiting agent. He could not dodge the missionary that I was thinking about that earlier, but that's, that's also really, that's also uh, powerful. And thank you, Chief Ali for the $10 match. Comrade Dante, thank you for the $10. Awesome. Chief Sir with the $5. Uh, Comrade Neoda with the $10. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I lost, sorry, ADHD, I lost my thought. What were we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, Chief Sir, can you roll back that, that comment for us? Shout out, shout out to our producers, y'all. Yes. All right. Let's see. Okay. The immediate ancestors uh, of the Evolu was the, I can't help but to say it like that, <laughs> uh, was the soldier and the priest. Uh, the Catholic church dominated the entire social and cultural life of the Congolese. Just as the peasant could not escape the administrator and recruiting agent, he could not dodge the missionary. Yo, <laughs> this is so, this is so real, right? We talk about, you know, the use and the impact of like religion uh, within, you know, colonialism, right? How it was used, you know, as a factor to maintain uh, control and uh, things like that. And yeah, absolutely, could not dodge the missionary. Um, Taliba has pledged another five. Uh, Kwizani uh, pledged 10. Uh, perfect. Um, all right, Chief Uncle. Okay, SG, SG coming through. SG. Um, um, yes, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, did you want to come in on that, Kutusin? Uh, yeah, and it was like um, uh, these were one of the few ways anybody could gain status in, in you know the times too. So either before you know the bourgeoisie was allowed to have private uh, ownership of anything, it was either a soldier for you know the Belgian people or um, uh, you know a priest, a, a missionary. Or things like that. So, absolutely. It's it's also it's also important to just kind of contextualize everything of like the time, because um, you know, 
these skepticisms have a playbook too, and I think it's important to kind of understand understand that because you know how can you defeat your enemy without understanding how it works? So right, Lambeck Anastasia, thank you for that five. So uh, there was some read that backs earlier that we missed. So I think we have a lot of time. Okay, yeah. I need some more. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Uh, Chief Ali says, uh, on the evolved uh, middle-class intellectuals, uh, land hunger, national oppression, the result of imperialist domination had pushed people forward. At a certain stage, the people created the national movement. Originally, it came from the intellectuals who managed to squeeze some degree of education. Like Lumumba, petty bourgeoisie must uh, commit class suicide and side with the masses. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and we always, uh, you know, picture, and this is one of the reasons why we wanted to call out the contradictions that came within this first segment, right? Because we know, we know that, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, how much uh, education you have, you know, how much money you have, uh, we know where that power is going to stem from. Um, and, you know, sort of like, you know, Lumumba's ability to, you know, sort of like branch into this, you know, intellectualism, um, you know, came from like that access, you know, that was granted through siding with colonialism, right? Um, but then, of course, you know, the moment he disunited with colonialism and with imperialism, uh, they were ready to, you know, to take him out. Uh, Taliba says, even today, we're still forced against uh, our will to participate in activities that further uh, co colonialism. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Every single day. You know, one thing that I always hear people, you know, whenever they hear, you know, that someone is like anti-capitalist or, you know, they're like, oh, how can you be anti-capitalist and you have a job? You know, how can you be anti-capitalist and you're buying food? You know, why don't you go to the farm? You know, why don't you raise? And it's like, when we look at the reality that colonialism, this structure in this country particularly has set up for us, where is the opportunity to not, right? And that's what we're trying to do with Hammer City, y'all, because there, like, there is a way out, and it's gonna be from that dual contending power, right? It's gonna be from creating, you know, that space for colonized people, you know, so that we can remove ourselves from like the stronghold that colonialism has on us. Right. And I think uh, definitely a contradiction with this book is kind of like the framing. Like I said earlier, the bourgeoisie, um, uh, the working class people, and then the social revolutionaries who committed class suicide. Like the somehow the revolution is contingent on the, you know, the petty bourgeoisie committing class suicide. Where no, it's it's like, like we said, like somebody posted a quote of the working class people um, being like, no. Nah, forget this and then rising up and and, and doing it and uh, maybe it wasn't organized but you know you don't have to be a petty bourgeoisie person who commits class suicide to 
understand organization and, and become leadership. So I think the framing, the how the book frames that is like, okay, well, you had to have been educated by, you know, the colonial system and they realize, oh, well, I like, you know, I like poor people in order for the resolution to pop off when it was, you know, it kind of erases just, you know, just exactly everything that the poor people were doing up to up to that position. In fact, you would have nothing to talk about unless it was for the pro uh, the uh, the poor people. So when you were like, that's how I feel about academic leftists is like, you know, and, and things like that. You would literally have nothing to talk about unless it was these poor colonized people making stuff shake. And that's where the praxis comes in. Whereas like, you know, you go outside and do communist stuff Will, uh, give you that understanding and, and you understand that you know people been about this life you just don't read about it in books people have been doing what you've been reading about books forever so it's kind of like that's why um you know walter rodney said always said do not trust academic leftists or people who you know are into just you know um uh academic yeah uh what chief uh 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 so said um the uh, fourth unity principle from Black Hammer, so. Absolutely. So y'all, um, you know, land back and, you know, shout out to y'all for like hopping in uh, into the book trap today in our first segment of uh, Patrice Lumumba. We were That's able cool. to, what'd you say? Oh, sorry. Yeah, keep going. I apologize. Uh, we I were able, oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we were able to get uh, $125 in donations. Um, awesome. you know, to go toward Hammer City. Yes, great work, y'all, great work. Um, if there is, you know, anything that I want y'all to be able to take from, you know, this segment today is understanding that one, there is no such thing as the African bourgeoisie. Uh, two, there is no, you know, no uh, common or equal struggle amongst, you know, colonized people in the white whipping class. They are just that. Um, Marx is a colonizer. Um, and then, mm -hmm, and then let's stand with our political line, right? We believe that the colonized proletariat is the only true proletariat. Only through our leadership can white power, capitalism, colonialism, imperialism, and all its symptomatic offspring be smashed. Let's smash this, y'all. Let's smash it. Land back. Next week, we'll be reading chapters five through eight um, of the book trap. Uh, so should should be should be should be also uh, next week too. I really enjoyed today. Um, we we were kind of nervous at the beginning, right? But you know, being surrounded by our comrades, we just kind of like pumped the PE out, and then they helped us get through it too. So appreciate y'all. Yeah, definitely. Uh, make sure if you all need the PDF uh, so that you can read, you know, five through eight uh, next week, and you know, be caught up for our, our book trap segment do go ahead and like reach out. Okay. Um, and then make sure y'all let's get some more, uh, you know, black hammers up in here. Join black hammer. If you have not joined black hammer yet, and you are just an onlooker, uh, and you are a colonized person, join black hammer. All right. Blackhammer.org slash slash join. <laughs> y'all were amazing. Yes. Uh, land back y'all. We'll see you next week.
See you next week. Awesome. Same time.